Thank you, thank you. The music has already told the story this morning between our two choir numbers. We have been singing somewhere, someday, someplace. You know, God's love is just going to breathe new fire into us. And the world will be refreshed and revived and the kingdom will come somewhere, someday. You know, I hope you anticipated every Sunday. I hope you anticipated every Sunday, but somewhere, someday, there'll be that place. And I want to proclaim to you today that that day is today. That day is today. It is right now. It is here and now. And that place is even Houston, Texas. It's even Houston, Texas. It's Harris County. And that place is right here, Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church. Places right here, Resurrection Church. So as we've been singing those songs, we have experienced it along the way, and today it's here. Today it is a new day. Today, new dimensions. Today, God breathes into us a different way of being, a different way of living. It hasn't had a cost. There's been workers along the way, some which we were, wish were here today to get married because they would say, do it right now. You know, do it right now. And so that second piece of music that talked about stand up, hear our voices, have a fire in your soul, we have been living that living that throughout this journey, living that throughout this journey so that what happened on Friday with the Supreme Court could be a possibility, could be a possibility. So you still feeling that fire in your soul because God's not through with you yet? Still ready to stand up, raise your voice? God is not through with you yet. So as the music brings this story to us today, we're going to go into the book of Ruth. And one of you this week said, Troy, I read the whole book of Ruth and I still don't get it. I said, well, here's week four, you get one more chance. And after today, you still don't get it, come to my office and we'll talk. We'll have an extra lesson. But it is such an important, powerful book because it covers so many things in our scripture. It covers what we've just experienced covers what's going on in our world today, challenges us to live in that fire each and every day, knowing that God is not through with us yet. So if you weren't here on week one, we talked in the first chapter of Ruth, when they're returning from a famine, returning home after they had to leave home and were gone 10 years, Ruth makes a promise to Naomi. Ruth, in the Bible's words, dabax Naomi, is the Hebrew word, D-B-Q, it means she clings. Another translation is she cleaves. She chooses. She says, Naomi, you are my family. I choose you. Whoever my family has been before is not. You are my family. And so we celebrated that radical action of a Moabite that's about to go into territory where they hate her where they've been told not to be in relationship with her that she says to Naomi, I am your family, I choose you. I will go where you go, lodge where you lodge. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. How many weddings have you been to and heard that? I always like to tell the heterosexual couples, you know, these are vows between two women. Which one of you wants to be Naomi? <laughs> you know? 
<sighs> Exciting times all around. But to choose family, and we know what it's like to create family, to make our own way, to create families that are extended beyond what people could imagine. And God asks us over and over again to keep expanding our image of family, to keep expanding our image of who's included, to keep moving in that direction. So we began there in the first chapter of Ruth. And then the second week, Reverend Michael expanded upon it. He expanded upon it by talking about how Ruth, in that point in time, made some radical decisions to even do more than just profess that Naomi is her family. She did actions to be proud of. She took risks that would redeem. Risks to her own body, risks to her own breathing, she would go into the field with other people, not Moabites, people who hated Moabites, but to get enough food for her family. Ruth would take that kind of action. And so when you think about the book of Ruth and what does it mean today, think about it's about people who don't even get work fare or welfare or no fare trying to just eat. And Ruth taking action for her family to be able and do that. And in the process making a home in this foreign territory for her, you know, risking her body. God calls us to be that kind of people, to go into territory that's not necessarily comfortable for us, to in that territory proclaim our love and faithfulness, and in that space find ways for everyone to have enough, find ways for people to um, know that they are loved and beautiful in God's sight, can we do that, people of God? Can we do that? Say, you are beautiful to the world, and then act like we mean it. And act like we mean it. Oh, goodness. To all the people that say you're not pure enough, the book of Ruth says to you, this Moabite is every bit the example God wants. This is who you need to be. God says that in the book of Ruth the persons you don't expect, the person that God's working through. In order to redeem you, to save you, who might you have turned away? What stranger was sent just in your path so that you might be redeemed? That you might know God's love. Reverend Michael invited us to see Ruth as rewriting the story of her people and the people of Israel rewriting the story of their hatred. How do we rewrite a different story of God's love. Goodness, we have some work to do in our world because it has not gone away. Hasn't gone away around race, hasn't gone away around class, hasn't gone away around faiths, hasn't gone away. Will we be that people of love to fight that fear? Ruth asks us to be those people. Then Reverend Vicki, last week, she said, okay, Ruth just doesn't do that to protect her family. Ruth tells truth to power. Ruth tells truth to power. Ruth goes right up to Boaz, who has the means, has the privilege, has the power, could have already reached out and saved this family, could have already been touched in his heart to make it different for this family, but for some reason has let them stay on the margins, getting enough to eke it by. And so Ruth goes to Boaz and essentially, Reverend Vicki said, proposes to him. And I would say she held up a, face, a mirror to his face to say, Boaz, you know what you got. 
you know what we don't. You know you have the power to change this situation. You know some people you need to hold a mirror up to? You need that mirror held up to yourself? Proclaiming that you are people of power? Well, how and when and where do you need to use that privilege to bring some others into God's kingdom? You know, that mirror goes both ways, and Ruth is challenging Boaz, said, you could have done it already, and Boaz hears the call back to the core values of faith, because that's what Ruth's telling him to do, behave like God's already told you to behave, behave like the law already expects you to behave, look in the mirror, look in the mirror, look in the mirror, Boaz, and Boaz does. So we go from choosing family into rewriting the story into telling truth to power. Are you starting to get the feel of the book of Ruth now? A little bit of the feel of what's happening in this story. The story of redemption, but not just for one person, the story of redemption for a whole group of people. The story of redemption for those who would keep power away from others, as well as the story of those who need the power shared with them. Oh, goodness, Ruth, teach us a little bit more. I love this book of Ruth. She is just so faithful. She is just so good. You know, and the way they write it, she knows the right thing to say at the right time. You know, don't you ever wish someone was writing for you? The right thing to say at the right time and the right action to do, and that it was just clear every moment of the day. But we love this story of the faithful Moabite, you might remember it in a different version in the New Testament called the Good Samaritan. The one who's supposed to be hated. The one who's supposed to be on the margins. The one that doesn't worship the right way. The one that also doesn't have a right bloodline. Who Jesus lifts up to say, this is the one that saves you, people. The one you cast out and don't talk to is the one that is ready in compassion to show God's love and will bring you salvation if... You open your hearts and doors and minds to be able to allow God's love to be that big. Can you allow God's love to be that big, people? Jesus is saying, even for the Samaritans, even for any of those you would not expect to be a part of your family because God says, you're all my family. You are all my family. So we get these great examples of these people in the Scripture, these exemplars a good Samaritan, a faithful Moabite, and they change the way we see people. They change the way we see the world. They're an example of what the Scripture calls hesed, love, covenantal love, grace, compassion, faithfulness. Hesed, it's an important concept in the Scripture. They, they display it in their very way of being. And so we, we see that shining star and we embrace it because it shines so much. And I would say in the embracing of the shining star, we have a danger. We have a danger that we only embrace the exceptional. We have the danger that we leave out everyone else. Have you ever had someone in your life say, well, I love you because I know you, but the rest of those queer people I can't handle? Have you ever tried to be the best little, best little boy or best little girl in the world just so you could have a little bit of love? You've seen it play out. Remember a couple of years in a row, the, the, the lifted up greatest soldier? Do y'all remember that? They became greatest soldier and then they came out as gay. 
You know, what does it mean that we can only accept the exceptional one instead of everyone? So I think Ruth is not just about her family. The people writing Ruth are saying this means you celebrate everyone, not just this one faithful person, this one who brings redemption. This is about changing the whole structure in the book of Ruth. Are you ready to shake it up that much? Talk to truth and power that way? I'm so thankful that the Supreme Court decided that they might try and that we might experience it today this way. You know, it doesn't just happen for the Good Samaritan and the faithful Moabite. You know, the first people married in the state of Texas were this wonderful, cute couple that had been together 50 years and could barely walk up to the altar. You know, people see that cute couple and probably can't even imagine them having sex anymore and say, oh, they're okay to marry. Now, I know nothing about their sex life, and I bless them. <laughs> but it goes back to the point of who do we put forward? Who's worthy of this marriage equality? And who do we think passes better than the rest of our folks? You know, because someone chose that and made that decision in Dallas. And it's not a bad decision if we don't stop with them. It's not a bad decision if we don't stop with them. As I went to the county clerk's office on Friday, they issued licenses for 90 minutes from 3 to 4.30. And I was there to see some of our people get married and witness that. And as I was walking into the office, this young couple was sitting there. And uh, they said to me, are you here to marry people? You know? And I think they might have, I don't know if they've been together a week or a month at the time. <laughs> you know, some people get excited about this, and it's like Las Vegas. You know, but I had to check myself. It's okay if you haven't been together 40 years. And I said, yes, I am. I'm here to marry people. I'm not here to marry people legally in the state of Texas. <laughs> goodness, oh goodness, oh goodness. So these exemplars that show us God's hesed. God's faithfulness. There are people who talk about the book of Ruth as if that is the major quality. That is the defining factor of Ruth's character in the book of Ruth. But some people disagree with that, and there are scholars that talk about different purposes in Ruth, all of the varieties of social needs and justices that have to happen. And they say because of that, the writers of the book of Ruth have a different top priority. And I want to read this quote to you from a Dutch author. Her name is Mike Baal. She argues the point that the main purpose of Ruth is not hesed, the typical female virtue, but chutzpah, the willingness to challenge, or better, stretch inadequate social legal norms in the direction of greater justice and more voice to the deprived. Chutzpah. Heard that before? Not hesed, but chutzpah. You see, Ruth is having a little bit of chutzpah. Do you have a little bit of chutzpah? Do you think of all these years working for marriage equality, we had to have a little bit of chutzpah? So this writer says that Ruth is a story about confronting, taking that truth to power, and making the system shake up. 
making the system change around. So chutzpah, challenge, stretch. And the writer even says it this way. The highest virtue in the book of Ruth is high-minded, transgressive action. Can we get behind some high-minded, transgressive action? <laughs> oh, goodness. That may undermine the system, but helps the system grow. All right, so this week, what are we going to do? How much chutzpah are we going to have out there? God is asking more from us than to be happy with marriage equality. We recognize that even if we get married in the morning, there are people who might be fired from work that day because of their sexual orientation, their gender identity, or gender expression. We know that people might be kicked out of their housing that day for the same reasons. So we know this equality and policy has a ways to go before it's enacted in the practice of our lives. And not just here in the U.S., but globally. As a global church, we know that there are queer people that are put in prison and killed right now in places where we have churches. And we must pray for, be with, resource, have some chutzpah about what it means to say that the kingdom of God is not just for me and my family. This new privilege, this new right, is not just for me and my family. It is for the world. Oh, goodness. How many of you felt an extra, an extra bit of compassion for Mother Emmanuel Church a week ago? For those nine people gathered in Bible study at church on Wednesday night. Some of you have been here doing that same thing. I would say that it's been one of those horrible things that has happened to our people my goodness, our people, not those people, our people. People gathering to love God in church, studying the Bible, killed violently. And I want to say they were exemplars. They went to church on Wednesday night. They were leaders in their community. They were the people we look up to as people of faith. They were there present. And when they were killed, we felt it. We felt it in a deeper way. And as we grieve that and honor that, and as we cry when President Obama sings Amazing Grace, I don't know about you, but I cried at the funeral. Oh, goodness. We can't let our compassion stop with them. Not just with the exemplars. We have to wonder about people of color wearing hoodies, staying out late at night, we have to worry about people of color in their swimsuits at pool party. We have to worry about much more than those who are gathered in church on Wednesday night. God's asking us to have some chutzpah to go with our hesed, some gumption to go with our grace. Right? Some spice for this love we proclaim. So are we ready to have that kind of chutzpah? to claim for friends and neighbors, to call it out when we see racism in our midst, to give them permission to call it out when they see us exhibiting racism. Because you know I'm white. Have y'all noticed? <laughs> I'm what they call pasty white. You know? And as much as I try and learn and grow and know what I need to do, I make mistakes. But we need the chutzpah to try. We need the chutzpah to make mistakes. And we need the hesed to say, grace, God upon grace, thank you for helping me the next step along the way, for being a faithful ally, 
along the way. Oh, goodness, not just for exemplars, but for everyone. Not just for the exceptions, but for all God's children. The book of Ruth is calling it out. And this is how they do it in chapter 4. We're finally to chapter 4, if y'all have been waiting. (laughs) 1, 2, and 3. Chapter 4. Boaz follows through. He gets the marriage contract, goes to the city gate. They get married. Ruth has a baby. The baby's name is Obed. And something unique happens because the proclamation in the Scripture is this. The proclamation in the Scripture is made by the women. These women have some chutzpah. Okay? These women with chutzpah say to their companions, to their families, to their nation, they say, Ruth, the one you would reject, is worth more than your Hebrew boys, more than seven of your sons. That takes a little bit of chutzpah. A little bit of chutzpah. You know the movie Fried Green Tomatoes? You know, you know the older uh, woman is teaching the younger woman, Evelyn, how to have a little bit of chutzpah herself. Then she goes a little bit of crazy and drives her car into another car, shouting, Tawanda. <laughs> Chapter 4 in the book of Ruth is the women of the time saying, Tawanda! Ruth is better than seven of your Jewish boys. And then the baby is laid at Naomi's breast to nurse. And they say, Naomi has a child. Oh, my goodness. Can we live into that kind of love? That kind of chutzpah that goes with hesed? Because hesed without chutzpah is not what God calls you to. Chutzpah without hesed can become cruel and violent. God asked us to mix together our chutzpah and our hesed in ways that change the world. Can we do that resurrection? You ready to mix your husband with your hesed? Maybe? And no, it's not just hormones causing it to happen? You know? Are you ready to do that? Do that resurrection? Well, if so, I want to share with you this little litany we did in the street for Pride Parade last night. And you have a part in this. You have a part in this because... It reminds us that we are beautiful. It reminds others that they are beautiful and that God knows that we're good. It's been telling us over and over again. So your response when I call it out to you is going to be, it is good, love wins. Can you do that one? It is good, love wins. One more time. It is good, love wins. All right. At the beginning of time, God breathed out in love and said, you know what? This is a beautiful thing. Thank you for where I forgot. (laughs) Then God said, let there be day and night. And God experienced it, saw it as beautiful. It is good, love wins. Then God went again, breathed more action and love into it, and said there will be a sky, and stepped back and saw it was beautiful, and said, it is good, God wins. Then, you know, all you vegetarians can be happy because God said, let the earth be covered with all kinds of plants, all kinds of vegetation. And God, the experience of the creation story is God experiences it as God does it. If you read the story, God experiences it as God. So God saw what God had done and saw it as beautiful and said, it is good, love wins. 
Again in love, God created the lights of the sky, the sun for day and the moon at night, and stepped back and experienced all the shades of dusk and dawn and twilight, and experienced it as beautiful and said, it is good, love wins. Then God wasn't through. God had more love to share. And God created the creatures of the earth, all kinds, so diverse, four-legged, two-legged, winged, everything that was breathing or, or oxygen or water, whatever was happening, God did it. And the experience God had of looking at it was that it, it's beautiful. It is good. God wins. Finally, God said, okay, there's more yet love to have. And God created humankind. And in creating humankind, God created such diversity, such gender orientation, sexual identities, ways to express oneself, mixtures that we haven't even imagined of and don't even have words for. And God stepped back in an appreciation of all the beauty. God said, it is good, God wins. Then God wasn't through. God said, people need to even know it more. So I'm going to come to them myself in the form of Jesus. And in that form, I'm going to show them what love means. I'm going to show them that love conquers death. I'm going to show them that love heals. I'm going to show them that love is for everyone. And God stepped back, conquered death, saw the beauty, and said, it is good. God wins. But I'm not through, people. You need to know it in your being, in your bones. Now that Jesus is gone, I'm sending you the Spirit. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit so that it may be in and through, among you, within you. Lift your breath, incite your life. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. And in that place, God said, oh my, oh my, each and every one of you are beautiful. It is good. God wins. Oh, people of God, take it in to your very depths. It is good, God, love wins. It is good, love wins. Can that be a future you're proud of? A future that addresses not just the exemplars, but everybody? A future that seeks to undo all the injustices that are out there, not just for our own families, but for everybody? If we're going to be about that re resurrection, Metropolitan Community Church, we got a future to be proud of. Thanks be to God. Amen. Little, little.